Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking to someone who describes themselves as they give me money to say things into a microphone. Weeknights from 6 pm on CKNW, Australian expat, LGBT. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Justin Wilkins. Hey, Steve. Mate, welcome, Drex. It's wonderful to meet you. How do you introduce yourself in social settings? Always as Drex. And how, how does Drex come into it? Because that, that's not a shortening of Justin. No, it isn't. No, it's, it's a nickname that was given to me in the early 90s by my mother. Now, Drex is how I was introduced to you as. Yes. How, how does that play out for you when you introduce yourself as Drex? It usually involves people going, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and, then I, and then I explain it. I'm like, it's Rex with the D. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And then, uh, yeah. And then, they, and then they come up with new and interesting ways to spell it. <laughs> Has it hindered you professionally? No, in fact, I think it's helped me. How, how, how does a name like Drex help you? Um, I don't know. It's, it's easy. It, like my, my, my full name is kind of, it looks weird on paper. I always say, mm. uh, you know, in the, and in the media business, you want to, you want to name, you want your name to sort of stand out and be recognizable. So I just decided to stick with my nickname. Well, it works really well on billboards, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. When I worked at the ABC, I actually went by Justin Wilkins and it was very strange because I worked there for, you know, a number of years. And then once I got into, uh, commercial radio, and then a few years later, moving to Canada, I just decided to just stick with the nickname. It was easier. It, it beats being called the Muppet or Hound Dog or something. Yes, and, and generally, uh, some people, and, and and I know that a lot of your Australian listeners, and I know some of them work in the media, I uh, would know that there's always a couple of PDs, program directors within radio stations, that like to give their DJs names. I thankfully have never been in that position where I've been told that my name is going to be uh, Jason the Reclining Rocker, as one former Triple M broadcaster was once called in Sydney, I believe. Yes. I've, ne- I've, never, had, I've never had someone force a name on me, so that's a good thing. Well, it's, a, it's, it's a save, and you get to keep your uh, dignity intact. Sure, yes. What, what dignity I have left anyway. <laughs> Justin, what do you do really well? Um. Figuring out ways to work smarter rather than harder. Really? Do tell. Well, I, you know, I work on a talk station and I'm, I'm, I'm one of the new breed of, uh, of talk announcers sort of coming through the ranks now that are sort of looking at the world as a whole. It's not just about politics anymore. It's about other things. You know, it's what makes people tick. Uh, it's the same sort of stuff that we always talk about. There's just new ways to talk about it, new ways to get the content, new ways to deliver that content. And I guess... I, I guess that's kind of what I'm, I'm trying to figure out how it works because, you, you know, in the business I'm in, in radio, you'll always get people that say this about traditional media, that newspaper is dead, radio mm. is dying, television, there's people cutting cords. Well, this is my career and this is what pays my bills and pays for my car payment. So <laughs> if I don't assimilate to the way things are changing and take on those things instead of being a Luddite, I'm going to do well in my career and I'm happy to adapt as I go. I see people around me, people I even work with that don't understand technology and don't want to understand technology. So I, I, I invest myself into how does that work? You know, for example, uh, you as a podcaster have this fantastic piece of technology and I asked you about it because it fascinates me. It, it genuinely interests me because I want to know 
uh, how this technology works for tomorrow because I don't know how this is going to be. So if I learn everything now, I'm going to be set for the future. It, it can't help to know how things work when the, the inevitable zombie apocalypse comes, right? True, true. But, you know, that's, that's when you want to develop some good knife skills. <laughs> that's right. Podcasting, not so helpful. Yeah. Ability to use a chainsaw, excellent. Yeah, because when the zombie apocalypse comes, and I, I, you know, I hate to tell everybody this, uh, there won't be any internet. What? <laughs> there won't, there won't, that thing that we love, the internet, you know, the thing that's made out of cats, it, it won't be there for us. It's not going to be there. It's not going to do anything to help us. It's going to be all back to books and the written words. So uh, when you're at school, learn how to write properly because you're going to need that maybe. Who knows? <laughs> that's right. An all-important lost skill. Your iPad will be useless very quickly once the yeah. zombies come. Yeah, because once the zombies come, the internet stops working. So does electricity. So you're not going to be able to recharge the iPad or power your router. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's all. It's just going to be a shit show. Let's be honest. Welcome to a bleak look at the future with Malkin Drex. Yeah, it's 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 a dystopian uh, future that is inevitable. <laughs> now I'm, I'm intrigued by this. You're a reasonably young guy working on a talk station. Uh, sorry, a reasonably young Australian guy yeah. working on a talk station. In Canada, that would never have happened back home. How does that happen? Um, I would say right place, right time. My level of mouthiness probably factored into this decision <laughs> for them to hire me as well. Look, I think I still think it's a decision they're going to live to regret, but you know that's fine. I'm happy to do the job while I have it. Does this mean that because you're on a talk station, you've had to uh, sign a piece of paper that say I will subscribe to a specific political view? No, uh, really. No, I've 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 just been told to have my opinion and and go forth and conquer. And uh, look, I can tell you, uh, the vice president of programming of the of of the company I work for, him and I have very different differing political views. But you know, they the company I work for don't control what I say. I say what I want, which is excellent. Which is excellent. Obviously, I don't I don't want to get myself into any legal trouble. So I'm always very cautious of what I say, especially when we're talking about you know active court cases and the such. But but apart from that, uh, what comes out of my mouth is my opinion, and they uh, they let me have it. In fact, that's why they got me to sign on. Are you doing what Year Eleven Justin thought he'd be doing? Uh, I'm doing what uh, Year Eleven uh, Justin thought he'd be doing, but only ten years earlier. Oh wow! So it's weird. You know how most people uh, generally have, I don't know what people are like today, but I always grew up, you know, having a five-year plan, you know, where would my career be mm. in five years? So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my five-year plan is now because I've already reached, I guess my end game. So I guess maybe I don't need a five-year plan, but then again, as the, as the future dictated, and we just spoke about that, I don't know where this job is going to be in 10 years. So, you know, I need to keep myself fresh with the technology. What's been the most radical change in radio in your professional career, when I first started in radio, uh, it was the it was the uh, uh, mid I would say early mid nineties, about ninety three ninety four. Mm. Uh, there was barely any computers. I remember I uh, I started working at a at a, a community radio station in Foster Tun Curry, uh, nice. New South Wales, called Two GLA. Uh, and I, I, I don't think the entire time I was there, they ever had computers. Everything was uh, CDs or, or, uh, or the occasional vinyl record. Uh, I remember when I first started working at the ABC, one of my colleagues said to me, oh, do you know how to use the internet? And I, my answer was, no, I, I don't. And that, was, and that was in you know November of 1995. So it wasn't until 1996 that I really 
sort of understood what the internet was. So I would imagine, you know, computers and uh, access to uh, information immediately is is very handy. I can now sit in a a studio and talk to my listeners and be getting live information on what I'm talking about as I'm talking about it. That's it, it is crazy to think back that in our lifetimes there is a period where the internet wasn't a thing. Isn't that strange? I rely on it so heavily for my professional stuff, for the things that I do. And and like you, you know, it's an extension of my day-to-day. I, I access it to find out things and to do things. To to even I mean this this whole this conversation wouldn't exist without the internet. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't at all. Uh, you know, you know. Let's face facts. You and I are in two different cities in North America. This is going to be listened to by people, you know, from different parts of the world. That just wasn't a thing that would happen, you know, thirty years ago. You know, if if you were if you were listening to an interview that happened on the other side of the world, you were generally watching an episode of sixty Minutes on a Sunday night. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now it can be done with you know you sitting in Calgary, uh, me sitting in Vancouver. Uh, and, 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 but you live in Australia and you do a podcast that goes around the world. So just, you know, the internet really shows how much of a, a global village we really can be when we're all connected to each other. Given that you have such a media profile and, and, uh, you know, well-known certainly in Vancouver and, and getting around Canada and those sorts of things. And the internet is in part responsible for that. Where is the line between public and private for you? That's a great question. You know, I don't really, I don't really know the answer. There's certain things that uh, you know I keep to myself. You know, my life's pretty much an open book because because of the type of job that I do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I give my opinion on the radio every day. Um, I did, I did have uh, it was it was weird. I had a I had a listener that uh, contacted me probably two weeks ago and suggested that we go out for drinks. And uh, I, I, you know, it's not something I do. I just, and it's not because I. It's not because I want to be rude and I don't want to be uh, sort of approachable. I just I just don't see myself socializing with people that listen to my show in a in a alcohol environment. I just you know what I mean. I just mm. I just not something that I would do. Like I I I love meeting all of my listeners at uh, at events, but I I don't want to mix uh, I don't want to mix work and pleasure. I guess I could say. So you keep those things fairly separate and, and one is more public than the other? Yeah, one is more public. But generally what comes out of my mouth and what I put on social media is public anyway. You know, I take photos mm. of food that I eat because, I, you know, I like eating. Um, you know, I like going to restaurants and stuff. So Amen, my Instagram brother. followers, for some reason, love that sort of thing, it's, which is strange because I, I don't mind taking the photos. I just find it weird that people would, you know like uh like a picture of someone's food but uh, that's the thing is i i the the internet is what it is it is it a fad is it not a fad who god knows what it is it changes every single day so you know they might like pictures of food one day but uh uh, tomorrow they might like something else so it's just it's changing and you just got to keep up i think when you sit down and because I appreciate there's a lot more effort put into a, a radio show than just five to six, here I go, I'm in the studio, let's do it. You've, you've had to think about what we're talking about and that does uh, uh, grow and ebb and change even through a shift. Yeah. But when you sit down and turn the mic on for that first time every night on every shift, what's that feeling in your body? What's the last thing in your head? Uh, the last thing in my head? Is we're on for four hours. We're it's go go go. Because soon as that, yeah. soon as we crack that mic at four past six, uh, we're we're on for four hours straight. And you know when you when you think about a, a music radio show, uh, you know those those announcers and presenters within that radio show might only be talking for you know tops two to three minutes an hour, maybe a little bit longer if it's a 
like a, a morning or a breakfast shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas on talk radio, uh, you know, as as most people that know how talk radio works is, uh, you are t- t- you're talking to listeners, you're talking to experts on stuff, you're talking to other journalists, you're talking to reporters who are on the scenes at things, and you could you can plan a complete four hour show, and we're talking for forty seven minutes out of each sixty minutes, so you can plan an entire four hour show. Uh, but the wheels can come off very easily, especially if there's breaking news. Yeah. And if there's breaking news, you go with that wall to wall, especially if it affects your community. So, for example, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a we had a 4.7 earthquake over here and and, yeah. and we literally dropped everything that we were doing and went wall to wall with that because, you know, a lot of people were freaked out and they wanted information. Uh, you know, a four point whatever earthquake ain't really sort of much to be frightened of but you know when when you are a talk station they expect you you know as they always have with talk radio they expect you to be there with the breaking news yeah absolutely and and enough that for a talk station and i would imagine the demo of of your listeners they're going to want to as much as anything communicate hey i'm okay or you know if i saw this happen i can help with that all of those kinds of things yeah and 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 that's the thing is the, the radio stations now need to uh, and and we see this right around the world. I would say it's uh, more prevalent in Australia than anywhere else. And I think the world is following Australia's lead on this is that, you know, radio stations aren't just uh, something that comes out of speakers anymore. You know, they're, they're, they, they live online as well in their own sort of web spaces. They got Facebook, they got Twitter, they got Instagram accounts. You know, some of the, some of the more uh, forward thinking radio stations now are even using Snapchat. I think I was watching uh, a video of Kyle and Jackie O the other day online and they take, uh, it looks looks like that they take uh, like caller questions and stuff from Snapchat. That's that's forward thinking by going, okay, who's using what technology and how can we use it to integrate it into what we do? You know, a lot of people you know a lot of people look at the news now and say, "Oh, you know, the 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 mainstream media this that and the other." But the mainstream media are the ones giving you the information. Whether you think it's tainted or not, that's up to you. <laughs> but we have to keep up to deliver everything that we do on all of those platforms, and that is how we try and stay relevant. Do you maintain links professionally back to the old country? Um, I, I would, I would love to be able to, but I don't, I just, I just, there's no need for it. I, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, any sort of radio people back there are really interested in what I'm doing over here. So I've never really thought about it, to be honest with you. How was it? How did you get to go from radio in Australia to radio in Canada? Did you come across and roll the dice or you, uh, this was a targeted thing? I'd, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd made some pretty, uh, some pretty bad mistakes in my Australian career. And I think that kind of, uh, uh, I would, I would know maybe lessened my reputation to certain, uh, group program directors. Mm. So I felt a need to sort of expand and, and, and learn a little bit more. So I, I knew that, uh, you know, I had until the age of uh, 31 to get a working visa for Canada and a few other people had, had come over prior to me. Um, so I took a leap and sold everything I had and, and, and moved to Canada. I, I moved over here to be a program director of a radio station, but, uh, you know, some things happened along the way and I fell into this position. So I got to tell you, my career has advanced a lot more than it ever would have by this stage if I was still in Australia. Do you, are you aware of, of 
the the, the goings on? Do you keep abreast of it, or it's just like oh, it's a thing? I I keep abreast of it. I you know I read uh, you know I still read Jock's Journal on a daily basis. I think I I love that Greg still maintains that website, which is a fantastic yeah. thing. I always loved getting the mail out uh, back when I first started in radio. I I read uh, Radio Today uh, pretty much every day as well. But I also dip in as well. I I uh, listen to listen to Nova Melbourne Breakfast uh, a couple of days last week. I listened to uh, Kiss in Melbourne last week as well, just to sample their new breakfast shows because I know there's been a little bit of movement yeah. there with Chrissy Swan moving over to Nova and Michelle uh, moving over to to Kiss. Um, I, I still dip in on the Sunshine Coast occasionally and listen to Hot 91 and CFM. That's my uh, uh, that's my old hood, and I worked at Hot 91 for a for for a few years, so I I, I, I keep up to date with what's going on. Um, but I, but I like the way that the uh, the industry is starting to morph itself. It's it's uh, I think Australia is really leading the way with how radio can be uh, a you know a thing that can be shared beyond radio. And I think uh, I think Australia really is leading the way with that. And and companies around the world are taking notice. What's the biggest thing that you miss about Australia? Um, probably uh, barbecue shapes. <laughs> <laughs> Do they seriously not have them here in Canada? No, they have. Uh, they have. Uh, they have Arnott's Tim Tams, mm. uh, but they do not have barbecue shapes. I wish they had barbecue shapes. Uh, maybe uh, chicken in a biscuit would <laughs> be good as well. Uh, clinkers, iced vovos, caramel crowns, uh, uh, Kingston's. Jeez, I don't know. There's a list. It's all food. Have you noticed? Yeah, no, I have noticed. Yeah. But that's also, I use that with uh, some of the professional work that I do here in Canada is I bring some of those things across and educate the Canadian palate. And I'm personally, I, I'm going to take credit for making sure that Tim Tams have launched now here in Canada because they weren't when I first started coming over. No, I, I noticed uh, I noticed uh, I, only a few years ago, a lot of the major supermarkets now stock Tim Tams here. One of the things is, is uh, back home in Australia, a jar of Vegemite, and look, I'm I'm a terrible Australian because I'm going to say this. I've I've never been a fan of Vegemite, uh, but I can tell you, you know, back home in Australia, to buy Vegemite, it's cheap. It's cheap. It's a, it's a yeast extract. It's, you can buy a kilo bucket for under ten bucks. Whereas here, a little three hundred and seventy-five gram jar is going to cost you north of ten dollars. What? Oh yeah, that is outrageous. Yep, absolutely. Terror. But you know what? There's there's another thing that we should discuss as well. Is there's Australians that come to the Great White North, and really ruin the uh, experience of Vegemite for uh, <laughs> uh, because you know some Australians think it's think it's hilarious to hey listen hey you've never tried Vegemite here here's a, a a teaspoon of it and and you and I both know and people listening to this that are well versed in the world of Vegemite consumption within the country of Australia know that it it should never be more than a smear on a very buttery piece of toast. Yeah, nobody eats a spoonful of Vegemite, no. really. It's, 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 use, it's sparingly. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's like a peanut butter. Drug. You don't want to waste it. Yeah. Those people are ingrates. Right. <laughs> What's the best thing about living in Canada for an Australian? Um, I would say the food. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is covered in cheese or grilled. Mm. Um. I would say uh, I would say the wilderness as well. We, uh, North America has some fantastic, fantastic rainforests and wilderness. Uh, if if you know any of you guys ever get to British Columbia, it is I got to tell you, it's one of the most spectacular places I've ever been. I lived in I lived in uh, Townsville for a number of years and got to experience you know the rainforest up in the hinterland behind Cairns, and mm. I got to tell you, it is on par with its majesticness. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. 
I mean, certainly Canada do the snow thing well when it when it's very white over here. There's lots of very beautiful landscapes and those sorts of things. But I haven't been exposed to anywhere that is, you know, seriously pretty when it's not white. Yeah, and that's the thing is is when it is snowing, it is beautiful. Uh, you know, I live in Vancouver, which has a pretty temperate climate, and uh, it doesn't snow too much here. We might get a couple of uh, dumps of snow a season. So far this season. Uh, we haven't had any snow whatsoever. So it's just, it's more like Melbourne weather, but you know how they always say there's four seasons in one day, you know, in the middle of a middle of winter in Melbourne where it's just bloody cold and pissing down rain. That's what Vancouver is during winter as well. Well, it's no wonder they decided to film the first nine seasons of the X-Files there. Right. And then, and then this new season they film here as well. In fact, that's a, that's, you know, that's an interesting thing we should talk about as well. The amount of uh, uh, television that is filmed in Vancouver, the 100 is filmed here, the flash arrow legends of tomorrow, the, the, the man in the high castle, you name it, it's filmed here. Hollywood that, North. And, and what's that about? Is it just that, uh, you know, the, the area have, have great, um, sort of tax breaks for, for that sort of thing? Or what is it? It's got great tax breaks. The Canadian dollar against the US dollar is shite at the moment. Uh, mm. Also, I got to tell you, Vancouver, she's got a beautiful set of bones on her. You can dress her up to look like anywhere. Uh, for example, they film Fear the Walking Dead here, which is set in Los yes. Angeles, but they're filming it in Canada. Uh, you know, there's parts of Canada that look like suburban Los Angeles. So, you know, and I, I live in one of those suburbs where it does genuinely look like, look like suburban wow. Los Angeles. So, it's it's cheap to film here. Uh, there's plenty of work readily available. There's plenty of teamsters ready to take on the work. You know, a couple of years ago, they were trying to. Uh, there was a big movement and a hashtag saying "Save BC Film." Well, since the uh, dollar has bottomed out, uh, the US uh, studios figure that they can make uh, you know productions up here for you know a quarter less of the cost because of the uh, the tax breaks and the exchange rate. It works in their favor. Do you think that also breeds a, a smarter or a better film industry because there's that opportunity for Hollywood to come? Um, I, I think I think the industry is getting better and better as as we go. Um, you know, they've been using, as you mentioned, you mentioned the first nine seasons of the X Files. Mm. Uh, you know, the reason they moved that uh, that uh, that ex, uh, that uh, that production back to Los Angeles is because David Duchovny's then wife Taya Leone hated Vancouver. So they moved back to Los Angeles because uh, his wife was whining about the city because it rained too much. But as you know, when you look at the X-Files, that's the type of environment that is perfect for the show to, uh, to film in. Gloomy and, and, and you know, foggy and, and, and majestic and a little bit sort of creepy and mysterious at the same time. So beautiful. Yeah. What one thing would you change about your life today, Drex? Um, I wish I'd saved more as a younger broadcaster. Saved cash. Saved cash, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, sort of banking money, having a def- decent savings plan, yeah. That money, when you're a young person earning cash, you got to spend that. Yeah, it usually went on beer, though. Oh. Well, it's not bad. I guess some people yeah. think that's a smart investment. Yeah, not an investment when you get to 36. You're like, oh, I want to buy a house. Oh, you don't have enough money. Oh, you have to wait. Can I give you these empty beer bottles? <laughs> which you can cash in in every uh, province and territory within Canada, which is fantastic. I learned that the other day I got in trouble because I went to recycle a bottle and I put it in the wrong recycling container because oh, no, no, put it over here because we get the money back for it. I, I don't, I don't cash them out. I just put them in a garbage bag and put them on top of the recycle bin behind my uh, apartment block. Cause there's always uh, homeless guys that come by and gr- grab them and cash them in. And uh, you know, they can, they can do with the 75 cents they're going to get for a couple of cans and a few beer bottles than, than, than I will need it for. So, you know, 
is there much of a, a homeless um, issue? Is not the word I'm searching for. Is there a large homeless community around in, Vancouver? In Vancouver, there is absolutely yeah, a huge homeless community. In fact, the uh, the biggest one in North America. Wow. Is, is it the weather that allows for that? You said it's, it hasn't it's, snowed. It's the weather that allows for it too. Plus there's uh, a, a lot of, uh, well, some would say there's a lot of government assistance. I, I would say that there's not much government assistance, but uh, you, you'll find that most of the homeless people that live here in Vancouver are from somewhere else anyway. Yeah, wow. So it sounds like Vancouver is a bit of a melting pot. So your accent wouldn't necessarily go, you know, as something that sticks out too much. No, I, I've I've also assimilated a bit too because I, I was instantly a voice on the radio instead of working in behind the scenes. I, I, I automatically just started swapping out certain words for other words. Otherwise, people would kind of look at you strange. Like when you walk into a, a Subway restaurant here and say, can I get capsicum on my sandwich? They'd look at you strangely because they'd know it as green peppers, <laughs> yeah. right? You don't, ask for, uh, you don't ask for oregano on your pizza. It's oregano. Mm. So, Parmesan. Yeah, Parmesan and aluminum and diapers instead of nappies. It's assimilate or perish. <laughs> you do sound a little bit odd if you if you and it's not so much me wanting to get rid of my Australian accent. I'm you know I'm very proud of my Australian accent. I'm very proud that I'm Australian. But you also uh, you know have to be approachable and uh, and and sort of on the same level as your listeners as well. So I just I use the words they use for things. I live where they live. You know, when in Rome, it's you know there's 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 a difference between uh, you know a, a refugee coming into a country uh, and sort of trying to you know fit their way in. Uh, you will mostly the haters will be like, oh, you're in Canada now or you're in Australia now, uh, you know, love it or leave it. Whereas, you know, my my angle on that is, well, because I'm in the public eye, it's best for me to sort of assimilate into those sort of Canadian things. So you, those guys can understand me a little bit easier without having to think through the language that I use. Mm. So no, it's, no, I understand. It's, it's interesting when I when I read things like that of you know refugees because our country's taken a lot of refugees up to fifteen thousand so far out of Syria and Afghanistan and it's interesting to read some of and you know where the hateful comments live it's generally people sitting in their underpants in their mother's basement yes. uh, you know making comments about these people you're in Canada learn how to speak English it's it's weird because I'm an immigrant too and I see that and I'm just like why why would you even say that you don't think those people are going to go get English lessons I'm sorry it just doesn't work the way that your small, narrow mind sees it. You would cop, I would imagine, a fair bit of maybe one side of that argument on, on talk radio, wouldn't you? Um, occasionally, but, 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 but like you said, Vancouver is a bit of a melting pot, so everyone here is from somewhere else, and there's accents everywhere. There's, in fact, there's another Australian that works in our newsroom here at CKNW. He's from, uh, from Indrapilly in Brisbane right. um, and has lived in Canada for many years, married to a Canadian, has children here. Um, uh, the, the vice president of programming for my company is also an Australian. There's another Australian guy who works across the street at a different radio station who's Australian. Then there's another guy that works uh, down the street, uh, who was from a different radio station as well. So who's also Australian. So we're all kind of from the same sort of area, but we all live over here and work. Do you have a special affinity with them or are they just, you know, more Canadians? Um, we all sort of we all sort of talk to each other on social media. I don't think we we don't really always get together sort of outside of that. I think there's a common nod of uh, nod of acceptance that hey, we're an Australian and we're all kind of working in the same place in the same country. Uh, mm. The thing is, is every single Australian currently working in radio in Canada all worked in in, in the Sunshine Coast market at one time or another. Wow. Yeah. 
to breeding ground. Yeah, so there's Matt Sutton who works on Z95.3 here in Vancouver. He used to work at CFM on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, Kai Tucker, Ronnie Stanton, and myself all used to work at Hot 91 all at the same time. In fact, Stanton was on breakfast. Uh, Kai was on drive and I was doing evenings. Great. And, live, and now we all live and work in Vancouver on radio stations. Ready to take over the world. Well, no, I'd, 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 look, world domination isn't a plan. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't got that five-year plan sorted out yet. No, though. it's no, and I don't think that's going to factor into it. World domination was never, never really a thing on my bucket list. So you never know what's around the corner. Well, that's Trix. true. That's true. We've got a plan for tomorrow. Like I said, I don't want to be a luddite. I got to, I got to know the, uh, I got to know the drill for the future. So what challenges you? Uh, learning more talk radio is a lot different from FM music radio. Like I've only been doing talk for two years. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. I was told to shut the hell up for 20 years. Now, now I'm told to keep talking. (laughs) Change gears on that sucker. Yeah. Yeah, It's weird. It's weird. It's like, look, you can't talk for any longer than 30 seconds and you need a caller in there. And now it's like, yeah, you have to talk for 40 minutes and there needs to be lots of callers in there and you need to kind of have a fight with them. Yeah, yeah, just sort of edge someone on a bit. Yeah. Oh man, I, my I feel like my entire four hours is uh, is uh, just being a shit disturber, <laughs> which is fine. I'm I'm happy to be. I'm happy happy to put that down as a as a professional professional shit disturber because I'm I think that's what I do. It's fun. Get it on a card that way. The next time you have to go anywhere internationally, you can put that down as your job description. Well, here's the thing: is is I can't say shit disturber on a business card because North Americans would get confused. I would have to say, uh, well, in Australia, I would I would say shit stirrer, whereas mm. here I'd have to say shit disturber. Two different things. <laughs> Gosh, the divide that separates us still brings us close together. It's the most bizarre thing ever that we are all on one planet, but we all have different ways of saying or doing things that are vastly different from one country to another. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Um, what am I going to achieve in the next 12 months? You know what? I got, back to my five-year plan. I have no damn idea, Steve, what I'm going to achieve in the next 12 months. Look, if I'm, if I'm alive and can still afford to buy groceries in a year, I think I'm going to be pretty happy with myself. <laughs> that's a hell of a goal. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's it. That's all I'm willing to commit to at this, at this point for a 12-month uh, sort of looking forward, I guess. <laughs> Tricks. Well, look, thank you very much. I hope also that you will be able to afford groceries over the next 12 months. That yeah. would be a positive thing. But thank you so much for the conversation that we've had today. It, it's, please know that it's highly valued and you're very special for the things that you've shared. Thank you. You know, broccoli is $8 a pound here in Canada. Is, is that good or bad? I That's don't know what a pound terribly is. Terribly expensive. Is it grown in Canada? It's what I think it is. I don't know. I tried to I tried to buy a New York steak the other day, and they tried to charge me twelve dollars for it. So that tells you how expensive food is here in North America. I I don't understand any of it. Yeah, it's bloody expensive, man. Very clearly, Justin, you are on on Twitter. Are there any other social media accounts you want to admit to? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Drex. I'm on Instagram at Drex Live, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I just those those are my two spaces. And at you know the food index at Canada dot something. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, I should start a I should start a food blog. In fact, the radio station I work for will do a thing with the uh, with the talk presenters every couple of weeks where we list three things that people should go do. Mine, incidentally, are always food. <laughs> <laughs> which, which keeps management happy. So that's good. I'll need to get some tips off you for when I come to Vancouver, man. Oh, you bet. I'll send you a list of restaurants where you must go.
this has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Drex is indeed human. That's a good confirmation. It's how we roll in this town, brother. So funny. (laughs) 